Welcome, Will, to the World XP Podcast. It's been, uh, well, you've been around the world since we last talked, so uh, we, can, we can start with that. Where have you you've been? Well, Europe, New Zealand, and now Idaho. Uh, Israel. I went to the Cook Islands, which I didn't know what, what they were, but they're a group of islands like a few hundred miles south of Hawaii. So it's like the dead center of the Pacific Ocean. I spent like three, four weeks there. Um, but most of the time I spent almost a full year in New Zealand and a couple months in Europe and none of it's really planned. I kind of just show up and leave when I feel like it's a good time to leave, but it's worked out well, but yeah, now I'm, now I'm in Boise, Idaho, made it out to the land of the potatoes, which is nice. <laughs> All the potatoes. Had potatoes for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's not Ireland where it rains yeah. all the time yeah it's sunny here mm-hmm. big time that's one of the main reasons i moved here because the, um, the weather yeah it's one of the sunniest most days of sun of any city in the u.s so it's always sunny always clear skies mm. it's nice it's weird you'd think like once you get up into that area it'd be cold colder what's cool about it is like um basically this is at the base of a ton of mountains that go up north Mm-hmm. and it's like a flat plane up until right here and from here upwards it's exactly what you think of jagged mountains snow caps uh you know crazy storm systems all that stuff great for skiing in the winter but like it's the wilderness this is the desert plains so there's it's more like arizona than what you would expect like a montana idaho to be um just perfectly flat sandy dusty uh sunshine uh you get some a few cactuses not cactuses but like thorny bushes yeah it's cool man it's very different than i expected but i love it that's awesome i'm super glad to hear it well since you're a world traveler it's only fitting that you're on the world xp podcast at some point but why did you so what made you kind of want to start this journey right like we're in school just doing normal whatever you're bartending doing this and that so everyone's trying to find jobs and you're like yeah i'm just gonna dip and go to europe Yes, it's actually funny. Um, I kind of stumbled into it uh, accidentally. One of my friends uh, was dating a girl and they had kind of a bad breakup. She was German. uh, So she went back to Germany and he kind of came to me after my uh, senior year. I did an extra few months at school. Uh, (laughs) So after my, uh, my half lap extra, I decided, um, well, I was just working. He came up to me and he was like, hey, man, like, I have a 10-day trip planned to Europe. Do you want to come along? Uh, It's going to be casual. It's going to be fun. We're just going to go see some stuff. Spain, Germany, Switzerland, uh, Netherlands, right? So I was like, that's cool. Turns out he was definitely just trying to be in Germany at some point and then, like, casually hit up his ex-girlfriend and be like, oh, hey, uh, I'm in Germany. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> By the way, you wanna you wanna hang out? So didn't work clearly, um, but because I grew up in an area DC and like I met a lot of au pairs. Um, one of my friends, Bosti, who's one of my best friends in this world, he's um, this German dude who's a male au pair. But like it's the for those who don't know what an au pair is, it's just a year exchange of like working basically as a nanny. You get a small stipend, but it's like a positive symbiotic relationship where you get to live in another country and then you get access to the car and you get your weekends off but then you're just taking care of kids so i made friends with him and all his friends that's who actually one of 
that's what the girl in Germany was. But because he lived in Germany, uh, I decided to buy a one-way ticket over there. Uh, just so I was like, you know what? Like 10 days doesn't really feel like enough. I haven't really traveled a ton. Uh, he said I'm always more than willing to like, he's, he's more than willing to like host me. So I was like, cool. Maybe I'll swing by Germany for a few days and then maybe I'll buy a ticket home from there. Of course, I get there. I've saved up some money from being in the restaurant. I don't really have any place I need to be. I have no girlfriend, dog, bills, really anything. So like it's, I'm a free man and I, he's, he's, he was in school at the time, but like he had a place that I could stay at any, like as long as I wanted to. And he kept telling me that it's like, all right, like most people say that. And they mean like a few days or a and week get out. Yeah. <laughs> and then get out. But like, he kept being like, planning stuff for the following week or a month or whatever it was. So I kind of used his house as a home base. So I would go from his house to Ireland and then his house to, you know, Greece. And then it was just a center point that I could always get back. And because travel within Europe is so freaking cheap that, and there was this app that actually like say, the reason why I was able to stay as long as I did is just an app um and right now i'm blanking on what it's called uh but it takes all of the flights from an airport and then if you click anywhere as the destination it ranks them from the cheapest to the most expensive most people don't do that because most people aren't like free enough to just like oh tomorrow let's go to canada right but it would rank in order skyscanner is what it was called Mm -hmm. but it would rank all of the cheapest flights out so I would be at his place and just kind of would be at a bar and I'd see there'd be a $14 flight to wherever. Right. I think our flight to Greece was $18 round trip. Uh, Whereas like the next day would be $400. So I don't know how that worked, but there would be random either glitches or whatever it was. So I was able to fly and fly and fly and fly to all these places with no real destination or like time frame, so I was able to just free flow, wander through Europe, which was super cool. Um, but that's how it started, and then time just kept passing, and then there was more activities, and I became friends and like kind of part of his town, um, which was a cool college town. It's kind of like Fredericksburg, where we went to school, but mm. uh, there was a castle on top of a hill, and all the buildings were like a century or like a millennium old or more. Oof. So like, it was cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah so like it ended up being about four months I think I was gone um and then when I got back to the U.S. I was like yeah I gotta get out of here so then I went straight to New Zealand yeah cool. that's crazy I always I saw all the pictures that you were posting all the time and I was like ah I wish I was there and then I didn't because I'm <laughs> a bitch because life yeah yeah because life and I'm yeah but so when you went to all these places, did you, it seemed from our conversations previously and like some of the stuff that you were posting that you weren't really, you were like kind of doing touristy things, but at the same time you were kind of just popping in and staying at like random places and doing whatever. Yeah, so what I realized um, pretty quickly is like touristy stuff is not necessarily for me because I think tourism is has historically been awesome, right? Like you can't, you live in a small village in like the 1700s and then you hear about like 
this monument that's been constructed and you can't fathom it because every building in your town is like one or two stories so then you travel and you go to this place and you're like i can't believe that this is so beautiful i've only read about it or heard about it in a newspaper right but we live in an age with like 4k hd half of the things that you are yeah yeah you can see everything you can take a full tour of the city and most of the things that are like the big touristy attractions you've already seen a million times and more than more than likely they're romanticized than a movie or something like that. So I started realizing I was going to these cities like Paris and Berlin and, you know, and uh, you know, the whole works, right. But those, those are kind of the bigger ones. And it was, wow. When I go to the spots that I had on a list or you type online, there's a million Americans or people that aren't from there that are lining up to take pictures and after just like a week or two, I was like, this is no, it's not fun for me. Yeah. And all my favorite experiences, I've always been like with cool people doing like authentic, whatever that may be, right? Like even in high school, it was never, it was always going to a friend's house that was from somewhere different and trying like their home cooked food as opposed to going to a restaurant and ordering that. For me, it's just, it's more authentic. Like I said, I was friends with all those au pairs. It kind of just worked out well. Uh, my friend Basti, the one I stayed with, mm-hmm. there was a day that he put on his listserv of like 200 local au pairs. Like, hey, I have some friends and we have boats um, because we grew up near a lake and some of my, so two of my friends had access to boats, uh, like pontoon boats. So you could mm-hmm. fit like 30 people on. And then a bunch of them showed up and then they told their friends and then it just grew a network. So when I was over there in Europe, and I was in this town, someone would reach out to me and say, Hey, like I live 40 minutes away. You can come crash at my place. So really I was going to random towns some of the times, but a lot of times I was going to very specific places, even if they were super random, like it was to visit somebody that I had met momentarily. And then they would show me around, introduce me to their friends. And then I get to know the local spots, meet the local people, like know what's going on where like none of the tourists, real other tourists could necessarily have that same experience. I fortunately like, I'm a big fan of having a mini tour guide, right? Like someone who yeah. can show you a spot or two. So that's, that's kind of how I like doing it. That's what kept me going so long because I couldn't do it if it was just taking pictures of monuments for like, yeah. Four no, definitely. I, I feel that for sure. I think, I think I met a, a couple of the, the au pair group at, I think they came down to UMW a few times. I think I met a couple of them. I definitely met Basti at some point. Uh, and there was one or two others I've met as well, but that's a gift though, to be able to like be friends with all those different sorts of people and kind of you and I from a similar, but also very different. Like I have that ability from soccer. It's like all the different cultures and stuff that I meet, like my coach in high school, my club coach was Argentinian. My high school coach was French. Like, and you meet all these people and you go like, even if you don't travel there, you get like, if you go to the house or whatever, you get a little bit like a tiny, tiny taste of, of what taste, it's like. Yeah. And then you just took the full plunge. But one of the other things that um, I think the trip that I took to South Africa, I was there for three weeks. I think you would have liked it because it was similar in the fact that we didn't do the only real touristy stuff we did was kind of when we were in Cape Town towards the end we were there for three weeks so we did a bunch of other stuff as well and like going on safari while it's touristy i don't really count it as being like it's not a monument that you take a picture of like because every day every day is different 
and you don't have like you're in your like little like your Land Rover, but you're not surrounded by like a gazillion fat Americans who want the French version of McDonald's. Yeah. And are doing whatever. So, but I think you would have liked it. But yeah, so like that experience for what you're saying about like the authentic, like, and we had tour guides as well that would show us around. And when we would stop places, it was like, all right, meet us back here in two hours. Do it, do whatever you want. And so like, yeah. I would go, I would go talk to people and do different things. Um, but yeah, I liked it way, way better than just like, okay, we're going to see the Eiffel tower now. It's like, really? I've never seen it before. <laughs> yeah. It's. And, and don't get me wrong. It is cool. Yeah. I, I like going to see the things that you go there to see. Right. But I can usually do that in, in a, a city. Day. Whenever I show up in a city, yeah, a day or two days, you see the main things, but while seeing the main things, my interest is on from the Eiffel tower to the Arc de Triomphe. What is the layout? What are the pockets of neighborhoods? Like, where do I want to go later? Like what, mm-hmm. what is the layout of the city? So I use the, the main sites as kind of like a mental map. And I try mm-hmm. connecting that by going from one to the other to start to feel like, where do I want to go? Like, is there a hostel in this area? Or like, is there a hotel in this area? What are the, I just find that it's like a good excuse to get to see a city. But again, it's, it, and they are cool, but only a day or two. And then after yeah. that, you're like, eh, yeah. I don't know. And then you got to find restaurant, like little local cafes that are outside those main plazas where everyone goes, where like, I've, I've not been to Paris, but like in other touristy cities, there's like restaurants that make it their business to get every like in New York city, like the restaurants right outside times square. Whereas if you go like a couple blocks outside it, you'll find like some local mom and pop pizza shop yeah. or whatever. And like those for oh, yeah. me are way better just because even if like it's a little dingy is not the right word, but like less. It's less flair, know, right? Yeah, less flair, think- but like you're actually getting what like you would get if you lived there, which is what yeah, you okay. want, which is what yeah. you want really. Yeah, for sure. And like as an example, so I'm half Jewish. I did the birthright, and that was like the first thing that I did. I went to uh, with my sister actually to Israel, and that was man like four or five years ago, something mm-hmm. like that. But we had a tour guide, which I was like not a fan of at first. He ended up being like a super cool guy. But every like time we get off the bus, and that was like my first intro to like being in another city for or another place for an extended period of time he'd always be like these are the spots that are popular uh and then he's like well i'm gonna go to this place right and everyone would disperse i would follow that guy every time right you have to you have to just tag along every single time it was the best meal that i had right we'd be good one time uh we were in spot which is kind of like avatar last airbender but like there's the fire city the wind city the earth city whatever so this is the city of wind um which is like ancient jewish where the kabbalah was created that's a whole nother deal but it was like a cool like one of the oldest cities uh that there is that still exists i think in the world but definitely in israel uh and he was like this is my favorite spot so i was like of course i'm gonna follow you we went and we walked into this door and it was like there were kids playing on the ground with little like fire engine trucks. It was this dude's kitchen. Like it was like, it wasn't a restaurant. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. 
And like when he put in his bread machine, the power went out. So then he had to like go out back and like flip the fuse. It was like the best meal I have ever freaking had in my life. But I would never in a million, million, million years would have been walking down the street and walked into that spot. Like never, never. It, yeah. it was a house. <laughs> it was a dude's yeah. house. That was one of the cool things about South Africa as well. We got to like, so it was through the, the tour guide or whatever, but we got to eat dinner like at this family's house, like with them. And so that was cool. And then one of the days we were, what were we doing? I don't remember, but basically the whole group went to like some touristy, like glass factory or whatever. That was cool. But like, I didn't want to spend all day there. And so one of the other like tour guides was like, Hey, there's this spot, like a couple miles this way where we can go zip lining in this Canyon. And I was like, yes, please. So me and my brother went with him and everybody else went to like, look at glass I was like, oh. <laughs> but so sure like they- some of the pictures that we got it's like it was a deep canyon as well and like some of the like you know those bridges and movies where it's like one like wood plank and there's like a rope that you hold on to and you just yeah tons of those and then just like zip line down the thing it was nuts i was so happy i just like listened to him i, I just followed him around the whole time because he was like this old he wasn't old but he was like um sorry for those listening if you can hear the thunder it is currently raining um but yeah so he's probably like late 40s or whatever and he knew that he knew south africa like the back of his hand he'd been a tour guide for like forever i just followed him around everywhere nice it's the smartest way to do it yeah i i don't understand people who wouldn't do it that way but everyone has their thing some people want their pictures in some spots or whatever but i'm i'm a big proponent of if someone knows the area, take their recommendations. Like I'll go travel as far as I need to, to whatever restaurant they recommend. Um, Yeah. And that was the best part about like going to all the different countries in Europe is I tended to know people there and they would take me to their favorite spots. And they would ask if you want to go to the famous restaurant. No, take me to where you would go on a normal day if you were just treating yourself a little bit, right? Like, yeah. I don't want it to be the McDonald's, right? Yeah. Of their don't, country. don't take me to Chipotle, please. <laughs> yeah, but like, take me to your spot. Take me mm-hmm. to your, like, go-to. Maybe it's your birthday. Where are you, where are you going, right? Like, mm-hmm. that is where I want to go. And yeah. it's like, That's dude. a good way to describe it as well. Like, if it's your birthday, where are you going? I like that. I'm... Next time I travel, I'm using that. Would you, if you didn't have all those people that you knew would you have stayed as long as you did you think or what or like so obviously that made it easier for you but for me every time I think of like trying to go like do something like that even if it's for like a couple weeks I'm like well I have one person here and one person there and then I run out of people and then I'm like I don't really know like language barriers etc like how did you get through that that sort of like did you have that mental like Right. Yeah. No, I absolutely did. And so I went with my buddy. Right. And uh, did you ever know Fred? Doesn't matter if you do. No, I don't, maybe I probably so, met him once or twice. So the last night, of course, he wanted to end in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. which is, you know, of course, a very interesting. It's a it's a cool city, actually. It's mm-hmm. very, very different than I expected it to be. You know, I've seen too many movies where it's just about like smoking weed and and like the prostitutes. But that's a small section. And when you get outside of it, it's like tons of tons of like very unique, authentic old school stuff. But we had a night on the town. It was, you know, I, he left some 
point, like eight or nine the next morning, I don't even necessarily remember getting back to the hostel. And then I woke up and I was like, yo, Fred, like you there? And there's no response. And then I realized like he had already left. He'd already gotten on his airplane. And there was like that immediate realization, like, holy crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> like, whoa. Because <laughs> I mean, the whole time you're there and you just, I don't know, I wasn't thinking of it. We were go, go, go. We had like a little itinerary. And then there was just that moment that it like, it was like a sack of, I guess, I don't, potatoes, right? That hit me on the head. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, wow, like this is crazy. I am by myself in another country and I don't know anybody and like I'm in a hostel and I realized quickly like I went out for breakfast that morning and it was usually just me and Fred right we would sit there and we would talk and like you know we occasionally meet people wasn't like we were just talking but when you go somewhere with somebody you're more likely to like you're cool you sit in a corner you talk and like if someone's super confident and bold or just so happens to come across your path you talk and you make a friend right but for the most part I was with somebody and then when I was by myself and I'm a social person, like my entire life, I've, I've been extremely extroverted and I like having a large amount of people around me. It just makes me feel at ease. So it's been easy, but I think I've always, always had at least one person to start with. So if you're with one person, it's easy to invite somebody else in. And like, I was like nervous. Like I would, I would go out for breakfast and I would just kind of sit there and I'd be eating. I'd be looking around and half these people are like, they're adventurous and they've they're all like European and they have super cool clothes and they speak like five different languages. So they'll switch back and forth mid sentence. And like the, anyone who doesn't speak whatever language they're speaking, they'll just switch over to them. And I'm just sitting there like, Holy shit. Like they don't want to talk to me. I'm just a dumb American. Right. And so it took a bit of time and there was like a three, four, five day period where I was kind of going place to place, man. I was just like not meeting people and I was in my own head. And then there was a moment where I was like, dude, suck it up. What are you doing? (laughs) Like they're nice people. They're traveling around the world. Like they want to make friends, just fucking talk to them. And it was crazy. I've never been nervous to talk to people, but I would go up and immediately, like immediately you say, Hey, how's it going? They're like, Hey, what's up? Come sit, have some wine. Let's play some ping pong, whatever's going on. So the, the youth, youth hostels that are in Europe are amazing. They have games, they have cool setups, like there's lounge areas. And I realized very quickly, if I just go in with any sort of energy, any sort of confidence, people are going to hang out. And I got to the point, you walk in and you're just like, you, you, and you. Hi, I'm Will. You want to make dinner tonight, right? Like it's shit that I wouldn't like dream of at the beginning. And then of course, then you go out, you, it's cheaper that way in hostels you have to make dinner with people for the most part because if everyone has a pan cooking something it's impossible so that's the easiest way you just make friends start cooking you talk wine is like two dollars for a bottle over there uh so you just you know loosen up talk and next thing you know now you have people in like a 30 minute time period that are already planning on going with you to the eiffel tower or whatever right and so then mm-hmm. a lot of my trips more in New Zealand than in Europe, but in Europe as well, we're just with people you meet in that same day. They want to do stuff, tag along. We have an extra spot in the car and it's so easy. You just have to do it. And it's like super cliche, but like the hardest part was just like, I had to have that moment where I'm like, either I'm going to go home 
and just like be a loser. And this is what was in my head. But I was not a loser, but it was like not completing what I necessarily wanted to do yeah. or just try it out. And as soon as I tried it, I mean, people are so friendly. I'd say it's very easy to open people up if you go in with confidence. But growing up in the D.C. area like we did, so many people like keep their head down. They don't want to talk yeah. to you. And I think it's just kind of instilled in us. And I had to break through that, whatever that is that we have from the DC area. And like people are people. Most people in the world are living their lives. You know, they might not have a lot of money, but they're out there, they're talking, they're friendly, they're having real human to human interaction. Where my biggest problem with the DC area growing up initially was everyone had nice cars, nice clothes, nice houses, and they just kind of, you know, yeah. went to work, went back and so yeah i started to get out of that that at wash a little bit um when i was happy with it i kind of like i'll say reinvented myself a little bit um and i was getting to that point where like maybe if i had been with you in europe like i would have been able to do it but also like naturally i'm more introverted so it's a little bit more difficult but i know people like that would never just even dream of because it's it's not it when, when you grow up in dc like you're saying and every like people just seem like they don't want to talk to you at all so like and then and then if you do try so many people are just rude like yeah. i know you've experienced as well like you could say even for just like little things like you were filling up your drink at a restaurant or whatever and you kind of turn around and you accidentally bump into somebody instead of them being like oh no it's fine it's, you'll get like a snarky whatever like sure. look attitude whatever you want to do and so like it makes you not want to run the risk of annoying people and then by yeah. the same token like planning to do like a trip with somebody the next day that you just met like here is just like like don't even bother because people like they don't want you near their stuff because of yeah. how people are. And then it rubs off on you, like, which is sad. Like, I don't want that to be the case, but like growing up in this, in the DC area, so it's hard. Trusting people is hard where from what we've talked about before, like in Europe, like people are generally trustworthy, generally friendly. Like obviously you have the pickpockets and whatnot that are like in the trains, the train stations and everything. Yeah. But like, besides that, generally it's more of an open open culture which is something like unless you have experienced it and grown up in it it's difficult to break out of the like no one wants to talk to me like sort of mindset because it's just ingrained in you like the negative the negative reactions that you get are just ingrained in you and you don't yeah. like and it's more powerful than the positive ones long term yeah it's like the uh the classic uh like example i don't know if it's a real story or whatever but like the the teacher who was writing on the board who wrote 10 equations and then wrote one wrong one intentionally and all the students laughed yeah and then she was just like what what are you laughing at and they all pointed like you got a, a one wrong she's like that let that be a life lesson like you do nine things right and one thing wrong people only remember the one bad thing that happened mm -hmm. that's kind of what sticks out that's like you watch the news right there's a million good things that happen every day, but what gets reported? It's the bad stuff, right? Yeah. So unfortunately, 
yeah like and even i mean i'm definitely not immune to it like sometimes i i go through waves where i feel more an extrovert isn't even the right word i just say like bold or confident or immune from any sort of judgment and sometimes it's just it's wave it's fluid right and yeah i did find that after coming back to the u.s i have kind of reverted back to older older days and then this trip that i just did um where i just loaded up my car and then drove to idaho and took a few weeks to get across and random places reading meeting random people like the very beginning i didn't feel myself and then as time went on i had to like it's almost you have to actively put yourself in that position mm-hmm. to just be like listen i'm meeting new people I'm probably never going to see this person again in my life unless I really actively try to. So why would I care what they think? Just like, let me be myself. And if they don't like me, that's good. Fine. Then we won't hang out. We don't need to talk. But like, I just feel like a lot of the the problem with at least the DC area in my experience is people are just trying to put the best version of them forward. Right. So let's say they can only do that for so long and then they start being themselves there becomes like a, a dissonance between how they act and and it's the same with dating apps and a lot of things right where people are just trying to be someone they're not i've just found if i'm myself which is super cliche hearing it out of my work like my mouth but like just being the way that i am normally and not trying to alter it at all mm-hmm. has just served me infinitely better and while i say i don't care of course you always care a little bit but i yeah. care less and less and it serves me much better to be that way, which makes me deal with that person disliking me. And I think a lot of that was being a very strongly and very clearly American guy in Europe at the time that I was there, right? Yeah. Every person who saw me knew I was American. You know, there was never a doubt ever that I was American, right? And Mm -hmm. America has very interesting stance in the world sometimes as far as how people view us so let's say as an example when i was in france going to a small town in a bar and i'm wearing my dumb american clothes and my you know my jeans aren't black and aren't super tight fitting and they're not rolled up with the white socks and the gap whatever they're like this fucking guy right and i don't speak their language and so i would walk into some areas and every person in the room would dislike me just off the bat And I'm not used to that. Like I'm used to being very go with the flow, fitting in all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And I'd be walking in places and I could just tell every person I looked at did not like me and did not want me there. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge adjustment, right? Like it sucked for a little bit. Well, the French can suck it because if it wasn't for (laughs) us, they'd be speaking German. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, fair, but like, but even outside of that, right? I feel you though even in like ireland right Mm -hmm. i have a red beard and Mm -hmm. they would still look at me funny like where do you think i got this red beard but (laughs) and they would warm up right like Mm -hmm. all i had to do was just like make friends not be the loudest most obnoxious person in the whole room uh and just be myself and it almost always went from like i the amount of times i heard you're not too bad for an american right no i believe it And I don't want this to sound like I'm disparaging America. I think there's a lot of wonderful things here. Mm -hmm. I just think our particular way of living 
does not necessarily coincide, especially with the European way. But I always heard that Americans are the loudest in the room. And I was like, all right, sure, I guess. And then when you spend long enough there, you just get this radar, right? And everyone kind of speaks in a more, even when like, when I was in Germany, as an example, everyone's super drunk. They love their beer. And for the most part, they're still speaking at this volume. You hear the American, over a thousand people, right? And, and you just, you become hyper aware of that. Mm -hmm. And I was that guy. So it was something I had to learn how to deal with that. But again, it, it's that initial, when I walked into a room, I was automatically judged. And that's not something, like I said, I've ever really experienced. And I was very uncomfortable. And over time, I became more and more and more comfortable with that. Um, and then from there, as I got more comfortable, everything about traveling gets easier when you just don't care, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're okay talking to some person who calls you an idiot to your face because you're trying to like communicate in broken Spanglish, right? Or whatever it is. If you don't care, then who cares? You're just going about your day. But a lot of people wouldn't do that off of the fear alone of having that awkward confrontation in like a public environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, all that makes sense. I had so like the thing about the loudest person in the room, I was never that person ever. I've never been that person. So I've had I had trouble here, like being I don't want to say noticed, but like mm -hmm. fitting in, I guess, maybe is, is the right way to put it. So but I, it is being noticed. It, it yeah. is like in especially in college, you just have to over talk people. They're talking, you just got to speak fucking louder than they do, yeah, right? To, to me, that was just annoying. I hated it. I hated doing it. Like, that's not who I am. And so, like, that was not, uh, yeah, that wasn't fun. But, like, I can definitely see. So, when you went into those bars and you knew that immediately that they all knew that you were American and you had this kind of, like, oh, they don't really like me would you still go talk to people or, or did it depend on how intense the like, fuck this guy was? It depends how intense. And I, truthfully, if it got really bad, I would claim I was Canadian. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that was my get out of jail free card. And it was crazy. It, it was nuts. There was times where I would say I'm Canadian and the whole tension would disappear. It was like, wow. <laughs> but that was, I only did that a few times, mostly in France. Um, where they really just, and if they asked, I said, I'm from Toronto. I realized that I said Toronto originally. If you're from Toronto, you never pronounce the second T. So they called me out on my bullshit once. And then I, <laughs> from there on out, I was from Toronto. And if they asked me any questions, I would just talk about Kyle Lowry and the Raptors. And then it was all good. <laughs> that was my automatic, like, oh. but, but to answer your question, yes. I would say when I was in those odd, places i would get a feel i would usually try sitting at the bar try to talk to the bartender explain you know where i you know try to get some conversation explain where i was where i was going ask for recommendations try not to say i know this but ask a lot of questions mm -hmm. which i think people always enjoy when you're not because a lot of Americans are like the, I know this, right? Like, so if annoying. you start saying any facts, it's like, I know this. And like, let me add more. It's like, no, even if you know it, just say like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Like, nobody right? needs to know that you know that. Yes, exactly. They just said it, just roll with it, right? And so like, 
when you start doing that and like I have a few beers, but I don't, you know, at that point in time, I was, I was slightly more in control after a few beers. Not saying I get out of control, but I was more practiced at that time. Yeah, sure. That's a, that's a good way to put it. So after like three beers, I didn't really feel anything, but it, it showed that I was still able to drink and be responsible where I think their prior experiences is when people, especially tourists, start getting drinks in them. They start getting wild and they just want to dance and they scream and they're loud. And that is not necessarily, I mean, again, there's spots everywhere for everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. But like in general, I'd say culturally, that is not necessarily the traditional path for the average spot that I'd be at. So I just had to like assimilate fit in and it almost always worked out. There was very few times end of the night that people disliked me. I think they just saw me, saw the way that I dressed like a very basic person. And they were just like, oh, we've seen it before. Here comes another one, right? Mm-hmm. Which, you know, isn't fair. You should never judge. But, you know, also I, I think fair after, enough, yeah. it's also fair enough. Yeah. So as soon as I just kind of showed and hung out and was chill, then sometimes by the end of the night, there were spots that, you know, I'd be invited to stay after because in Europe, they're really, their laws are much different there'd be a lot of nights where they have a closing time uh, and they basically kick everyone out, but then they lock the doors, shut the windows and then party for another like three, four or five hours with like the close knit people of the bar. And there was multiple Mm -hmm. times that I was like invited and was able to stay until like four or five in the morning. And that's when they would like get actually like after it or whatever you want to call it. Like Mm -hmm. they would be very like polite and sociable and having a fun time and controlled and then they shut those doors and then it's like, it's the real deal. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it was cool. I'm honored. Like for them, I'm like, Hey, do you guys need me to go? They're like, no, come on, like stay to me. That's like a very specific, like you, you have earned our, whatever, our trust, yeah. our respect, uh, friendship. Did so, you hear that one? I did hear that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Every time, uh, the more I hear about it, the more I want to go, but I was talking to, I had a guy in the podcast, he's a British guy, like a FIFA YouTuber. And I asked him kind of, I didn't get the vibe that he was like, oh, this American guy, right from, right from the beginning. Um, it was a good conversation, but I asked him partway through, I was like, what do you guys think of like, what's going on here? It was like, it was before the election, like right before. And he said, we have no idea what the fuck is going on. And then I said, same. And then we moved on. <laughs> like, it's weird because obviously you, you have way more experience with, with it than I do, but we're the stereotypes of Americans that exist over there, like, is all like you felt you felt that they thought that about you no so like how when when you were did they ask you about it like what like what's it like in america and like what that sort of stuff like what were what like what sorts of questions did you get some crazy ones for sure a very common one is if i've ever been in a shootout before (laughs) (laughs) what do they where do they think we live in cops well, because uh, they know a lot of them know like the statistic that there's more guns than people in the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. There's like 400 million guns and like 370 or 80 million people, so they just assume every person has a gun. And like, think about it: for a lot of these people, they're 
like our our products get exported to the world, right? Mm-hmm. Hollywood. I mean, there's there's still British and other yeah, yeah. like industries, but film industries like it's mostly Hollywood movies that get put out there. And what do you see in Hollywood movies? You see Bruce Willis driving down the street, shooting at people on side. You know, like that is just everything they, is just blowing up. Yep. And what's crazy, like I, I noticed this in New Zealand, all of their shows are like very realistically based. So mm. their life, their daily life is very represented in like their media or their, their, you know, television. And then you start seeing TV where it's every show, whether it's like, you know, NCIS or it's Miami Vice or whatever, like it's, it's all, all the these same. shows. Yeah, but it's always people on speedboats with like bags of cash and they all have guns and they get in shootouts. And like there comes to a certain point, if, if everything you see from America has that, yeah. and then what do you hear on the news? There's this mass shooting today. 50 people were killed, 25 people like lost. At a certain point, they're like, all right, this is what we see on TV. Yeah. This is what we see on the news. Like, how crazy is it? Well, let's ask this American, like, how many times have you seen someone get shot to death or have like you seen? Zero. Yeah. So like, I haven't seen any of that stuff, but that is their, just their perception because we are, we, at least we embrace our wild side. I think, you know, like every cowboy song, every cowboy movie, it's people shooting each other to death. Right. Yeah. Every world war two movie that we have. I mean, that's not, that's a different story, but all of the movies we have have like some sort of violence, guns, all that stuff mm-hmm. in it. So they kind of wanted to ask how crazy it truly was. Um, and there was plenty of other ones, uh, but that's kind of guns was like a huge, huge one, especially since most of them had never seen a gun besides maybe on a police officer mm-hmm. and almost none of the people I met had ever fired a gun yeah. like in any capacity. So it was, it's all theoretical and hypothetical to them. So like they don't know up from down as far as that specific yeah. topic goes. So it's just, it's fascinating. Um, Have you held one before or shot? Yeah, one? I've shot, I've shot plenty of guns. Yeah. I haven't shot. I've held one. I want to shoot at some point just to know. Yeah. It's, it's a cool experience. I mean, like, not to go too far down that path. I'm cool. If, you know, I'm, I'm not saying we need them, but like, and I don't think we do, but having guns in a controlled environment, I was in Boy Scouts and, you know, they like would teach you proper gun etiquette. I think knowledge is power as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who should never have a gun because they, well, you know, they keep it loaded underneath their pillow or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah like I've, I've shot my fair share and it's as long as you respect and have knowledge for it, I'm cool with it. But yeah. in Germany, you they have like annual or I don't know if it's annual or monthly, but like people will show up to your house and they'll inspect your house to make sure that like they're stored in the proper location, that you have the right ammunition, that you have a safe. Like mm-hmm. you can't own a gun without a million steps. And so most people, it's it's expensive and it's so much work that why why even have yeah, it? It's right? not worth it for them. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't want to shoot other than the reason of just like the like the knowledge thing, like you the said. Knowledge. But yeah, and so what else? What else did they? What was another big one that you got a lot? Another big question. Question wise, um, well, the big one was how do I feel about my president? Because um, this was right at that time. Like, that was that was a huge question, and I personally, uh, am not a fan. Was not a fan of Trump at that time. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, So I would respond accordingly. And a lot of times it would ease the situation. Uh, In Israel, though, they love Trump, Mm -hmm. of course, because he funds their military. And Obama Mm -hmm. was pro-Palestine. So, like, they did not like Obama at all. They were huge Trump supporters because he just, like, gave them everything they wanted and more. There's money and tanks and missiles. Do what you want. So they're, like, nice, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that was weird because there was a lot of like very pro like people i was out at a bar one night and there was a few people dressed in like trump blow up in israel in israel yeah that's hilarious yeah like they had like the like the running man suit or whatever it is but like trump right (laughs) so they loved him uh and like in new zealand um they love americans if you want to go to a country where they like america like that's a big one uh interesting because they're a pretty agriculturally based country. A lot of agricultural advancements come from the U.S. Actually, Israel is like the leader because uh, they have to make every drop of water count. But like the U.S. has a lot of, uh, most, like you see a lot of John Deere tractors and stuff over there. And more than that, like the native uh, people there, the Maoris, mm-hmm. they love NBA basketball. And the British people, like which is most of New Zealand, Mm-hmm. Don't give a shit about it at all. So if you're an American, you come in, I'm like, hey, nice jersey to them. They're like, holy shit, somebody to talk to about basketball, which I'm like at all times in general. <laughs> so I actually made a lot of friends through either playing basketball over there or just talking or wearing a jersey or whatever it was. Uh, one dude actually stayed with for a full week because we started talking about LeBron James. <laughs> so it was super cool. But like they are obsessed with America. Like, it's super cool being in a spot where, like, so I had, I had two friends. It was uh, a guy from France and a guy from England. And it was really funny because we traveled everywhere together. And everywhere we went, the English dude spoke the proper Queen's English. He had elocution lessons, right? So, like, he had the, like, dreamy English accent that every person loves in the world. The other dude was French. Like a French accent is awesome, right? So almost everywhere we went, they were the interesting people that everyone was like obsessed with. But when we went, like when we were in New Zealand and we were on like the Mari, like they didn't give a shit about them. They only wanted to talk to me because I was American. Mm-hmm. It was the first time in my life I've experienced that where it was just like, screw you guys, America's cool. And mm-hmm. it was a cool feeling. Like it, yeah. was, it was nice. I feel like most places around the world are either like, Nobody has a neutral feeling about yeah. the U.S. It's either like we love them or they all suck. Mm. It's like so someone someone told me once, and it stuck with me ever since. America's the attractive, popular girl that goes to your school, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone talks about her, everyone knows her, right? And people have very mixed opinions about you know, yeah. like sometimes because they're trying to get to know her and then sometimes you know they are jealous or whatever it is but that's kind of the way the world is right sometimes people have good relationships or what america does a lot of times very directly impacts what happens in the rest of the world but we are the glorious you know girl who's crashed her daddy's car three times in high school type (laughs) deal right there's always something to talk about and people very polarized opinions about it but i I like that analogy it stuck with me for a pretty long time no that's a good one i like it as well that's a really good one i hadn't thought of it like that uh people i mean it's it's weird like they know so much about us like Mm -hmm. i would say i would wager that like 
the average person in Europe could tell us more about the way our government works in our daily news than the average person that I know in the same age bracket in the United States. It's Which wild. really sad. Yeah, they just know so much. Yeah. You know, I feel like people here should also know as much, but that's a different story for a different day. Yeah. Um, all right, so you're going through Europe, and you're what? where did you – what were your favorite places to go? So, um, yes, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> um, so Ireland was super cool because I got to reconnect. Um, I know my my grandma's last name. Uh, we have a long – it's like the family side that I can trace the furthest back. Mm-hmm. And I was able to go to the town that, like, is her namesake. And turns out that, like, my great, 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 great grandfather was a pretty cool dude. Um, and the town was named after him. He was pals with the, the King of England at the time. Uh, he was the, I think he was head of the, the Navy, the British Royal Navy back when it was like a force. So that was all cool shit. I didn't know I had any attachment, but what was so cool about it was I went into town. It's a super boring town. Like it's like a one street bland. Mm-hmm. I walked down. Like I would compare it to like Nebraska of Ireland, right? Like yeah. when I was there, people were like, what are you doing here? You're clearly American and no Americans like ever come here because why would like, why would you? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, So I went to a bar, had the classic, like there's like five people in the bar. They know everyone. They probably never seen someone come in and like actually get a drink. Right. So I ended up talking to people after a while. They like stare at me shell shocked. Like who the hell is this guy? Um, And I'm just like, Hey, like, you know, classic American. We all have some Irish ancestry. Like, I'm just trying to see what's going on. Little day trip. Uh, they said, do you know who your family member was? I dropped the name. And they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> right? <laughs> 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 Apparently, my grandma had written back and forth with, like, the town historian. They were aware of her presence. She's visited there before. So me being her grandson, they were aware of my family, like, ties. Yeah. It wasn't just, like, a totally random thing. Anyways, they called him the, like the regional historian who drove over. He gave me a personal tour of like the house, uh, the estate brought me in. And then I had like a really cool day in town where like a bunch of people came. It became like an event because they have nothing else going on. And so then people were just buying me drinks all night. And I talked to people and we got classic Irish drunk. And it was a fantastic experience that I thought was just going to be a day of like walking around and leaving turned into like everything I could have dreamed about going to like my my I guess and it's so far removed I don't really have that connection but it was mm-hmm. still like it was cool man it was that's sweet. nuts that, that was a I good feel like I feel like that would only happen to you <laughs> I mean I will say luck has followed me I'm waiting for it to run out but like stuff like that does seem to follow me which I tr- don't even want to question it just keep pushing forward and hope that it you, happens more but like you have to yeah <laughs> So that was cool as far as the experience. Um, Germany was awesome because of the friendships that I made Mm -hmm. there. Um, That was like my, again, like the biggest home base. My friend worked at a bar um, called Enchilada, which was like a German style uh, Mexican cuisine, which was interesting. But like it was in a super cool college town. He was in college. He was like, it was Boston. So it was like me Mm -hmm. of of Germany. So like uh, he had plenty of connections and was in plenty of activities. So like, I was his little shadow for a while. So it was weird being in a German town and like people would say hello and they would remember my name. And like, it felt like I was there. I would even go to the grocery store and like 
they would know what like which cut of meat i would want stuff like that i was like holy crap like i'm actually like part of this thing i'm not a tourist which was super cool and like i had friends that i or people who i've met for one night inviting me to their thing i was like wow like i'm here i did it this is cool um so that was super cool but i'd say spain i did the walk across spain the camino de santiago which Mm -hmm. is like the walk from france all the way most people go just to um santiago which is like 50 60 miles from the coast but i did basically across spain to the ocean and that was by far i'd say like the, the most unique experience of europe so that was super cool. It's like a, originally was a pilgrimage from 800 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, but it's it's very popular. A lot of people have done it. It's not super hard. I mean, of course, walking is yeah. not, like, it's not easy, but like you stay in like a hostel most nights or if you can't find one, the church steps are always available. But like that was the absolute most interaction with an international base I've ever experienced because every single day you would be with people from all over the world. Um, And people were like the most open I've ever experienced in my life because they were all doing this thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you were walking by yourself, sometimes you do like eight hours of walking by yourself. So you go a bit crazy if you're just putting one foot in front of the other. So anyone who comes up and says hello, you just start talking. And like, what was cool is it's the only only interactions that I've had on a regular basis where there's no fluff. There's no, no small talk. People talked about what was going on in their life and you got to know them. Like there was no, I don't know what it was about that experience, but like it was the real deal. Like in one day I would feel like very strongly connected to somebody because I knew everything and they knew everything, anything you could think of. And, and like a lot of times people do this for like a big cause that cause being a loved one has recently passed or they got fired from their job or they're divorced or something like that. Right. So a lot of times it's like a, it's 30 days for the most part, give or take a few of being by yourself. I mean, you're with other people, but it's to collect your thoughts and it's like a very challenging physical activity and it was just sweet because people were, I, I could see day by day, you would kind of run into people and maybe that person you talk to and know everything about, and you feel like your brothers, you wouldn't see them for like eight days. And then you'd randomly run into each other in a town. It's nuts. I've never seen anything like it before, but I'd met them for a collective 10 hours. And I feel like I'm reuniting with my best friend in the world. It was just like a weird thing because I knew more about them than some people I've spent five years or 10 years of my life with because there was no hiding there was no guards the walls were down so it was a really cool experience and I just felt like by the end there was probably a hundred ish people I'd say that I kind of did a leapfrog action with that I could like see and talk to and know the names and we'd cook and we'd talk and like it was just it was wild people were it's almost like they were on drugs or something. Just the the feeling of being that open. I loved it, man. It was, it was sweet. I don't recommend that to anybody. That sounds amazing. Like in a super, just like, yeah, I've never heard of anything like that either. That's really, yeah. that's really weird. Also the no small talk thing is really interesting. Cause most people, when you meet somebody for the first time, it's like, 
at least for us, again, growing, growing up in DC, it goes back to that like trust factor where we're like, you know, like people don't trust people. Um, but yeah. oh yeah, man, it's, like it's kind of weird because you like, like you said earlier, like I'll never see this person again. You you kind of have like a, a a flip of the coin, right? It's like I'll never see this person again. Why is it worth my time to tell them anything about me? Or I'll never see this person again. They can know everything about me, and it won't matter. Open up, yeah, yeah. It was cool because yeah, and I think it was like very therapeutic for a lot of people because let's say you're dealing with this, right? The average question when you meet somebody along the Camino, you say one Camino, happy walk, right? And then mm-hmm. you're like, if there's any conversation going, you're like, so why are you doing this? And that why is usually like the center point of their biggest problems in their life, right? Mm-hmm. So they usually would just dive straight into it. Yep, no beating around the bush with that no one. No beating around the bush. And it's like most people in life will never meet a stranger and start immediately telling them like their deepest, darkest, yeah. whatever it is, like their biggest problems that they have. And I think being able to share that with people by the end, you have been able to you have so much time alone and with people either talking about it or thinking about it. Like it was so good for me personally because i just did it kind of like "Mm, let's see what happens right Mm -hmm. what i realized is like college was a hectic time i had a million good experiences and a million bad experiences not bad but there was pressures and it was a small school and there was a lot of gossip and just you know it, it was good but by the time it had run its course and i didn't know what i wanted to do with my life i didn't you know i didn't know up from down and i was like holy shit like there's a lot of family stuff going on. When I started the hike, I was like, oh, life is good. We're chilling. We're hanging out, right? Day one, down. And then day two, and then day three. And then, you know, you have those thoughts where you're like, every, every so often, everyone gets those like thoughts where you need to think about it, but like, you don't and you push it away. And then maybe you think about it for like five minutes and you're like, Whew, I thought about that, whether it be like death or like, mm-hmm. what do you really want to do in this world? Not like just overview but like let's dig down most of the time people only think about it for a small segment of time and then they're like it's it's exhausting to think about it right yep but the thing is about how this walk works is you're spending i would average about 21 miles a day somewhere in that range so it's forever right you're just walking 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 you have that thought you push it away you have that thought you push it away you have that thought you think about it a little bit you push it away and at a certain point you cannot do anything. And then you just like, screw it. Let's think about this. And I feel like it was a great way to take all of the things going on, lay it out in front of you, compartmentalize them and then restack them and re like actually reevaluate what's going on, analyze it. And then like come up with your own temporary or permanent solutions. And then I just felt like my brain had been scrambled originally and it was i was thinking clear i was feeling better plus i lost 30 pounds in 30 days not in the healthiest way but like it was all of the beer weight was gone from college i was walking 20 freaking miles in the sunshine like you lose the weight you're feeling good i felt light on my feet i was carrying a heavy pack um which you you shouldn't do yeah i did i had some sunscreen i'd have been fried yeah yeah, (laughs) for sure um I, I had like a hat. I always wore a hat. Yeah. But yeah, it was just, it was nuts. Like a lot of people find religion mm-hmm. leaving that. 
I think that's also because their brain is so feeling free and there's so many churches along the way that they're like, mm. why not? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> but for me, it was just like, I felt so totally refreshed and renewed in ways that like college did not treat me well, as far as it was a lot of drinking, going to parties, hanging out with the same people. And it was fun. I do not regret it, mm. but it also, I don't think was good as far as like moving forward in my life. It wasn't good as far as, as being a better person and I felt like lazier by the day and I had mental fogginess and all that stuff. And plus in, in when you're doing this hike, you can't eat McDonald's. You can't eat. It's very simple mm-hmm. farm, like farmed food, right? It's farm to table. You're eating very simple food groups. And I think I did an accidental diet over those 30 days where I, I didn't have anything else I could eat because you're getting from small marts. So it was just like, fruits and some meat and maybe some pasta here and there, but you Mm -hmm. need the pasta to walk 20 freaking miles anyways, but it's very clean stuff. And by the end, man, like I had a day when I, when the last day, when I got to the water, it was like one of those, like I threw my bag down and ran to the sea and I was like splashing around and I was like, (laughs) what is happening? It felt like I just got injected with some sort of upper, right? Like it was a euphoric experience and I think just because like, I don't know, my body was functioning, my mind was functioning in ways that it hadn't in a very long time. So it was sweet, man. Like I would recommend that to anyone and everyone who's thinking about doing a longer hike. It doesn't have to be the Camino, but I just think a several week hike is therapy is worth more than probably any therapy in the world could freaking do. Yeah. Well, also the, the Camino especially is like, is different because you have, like those hostels along the way so and then like the cooking i feel like is a little bit different than like going into the appalachians not super different but different enough did you ever did you ever get personally just imagining myself meeting new people all the time on that hike i feel like i would feel like i'm bothering people and i would feel like i would get bored of telling my like story or whatever over and over did that did you ever experience that or not not really not really only because there was like a very understood dynamic of like so the Camino is a bunch of different trails I did the more popular one um but it's like a bunch of trails that lead into the same point so it looks like a seashell because it's all points leading to the same center location so people would wear a seashell on their backpack to indicate that they're doing the Camino. It's like the universal sign. So we would see the people. I, you know I saw that, that in one of your pictures. Yeah, it's super cool. Like it's like just like an indicator you're doing this as well. And you say, Buon Camino, Buon Camino. You can very quickly tell if they kind of keep their head up and like lock eye contact, they're open for conversation. But a lot of times, you know, even myself, like I like talking to people. There was times where I was in mid thought, right? I was doing that compartmentalization that I needed to do. And someone would come up to me, Juan Camino, right? Like, have a good day. Uh, And it's just very, very evident if somebody wanted to engage in a conversation. And there was times where you wouldn't even see people for stretches because a lot of people only do half the Camino. And there's like certain areas where like the beginning is extremely beautiful. Um, It's like you're going over the like the French mountains. Um, and then it gets a bit flat for a while and then it gets pretty towards the end. So a lot of people will section hike the beginning 
and then they will section hike the end, but they kind of skip over. So that mm. middle section of let's say like 200 ish miles mm. is very like it's sparse as far as hikers go. Uh, it's very boring. And I think that's where a lot of like the thinking and the breakthroughs happen. So that was really nice because that gave me about like a week and a half of not really talking to too many people. Mm -hmm. Um, and really there was, I don't think many people have the experience of being like properly alone because I didn't have cell service either. And these hostels didn't have Wi-Fi for the most part. Uh, so I, my phone was never even really on. You can only listen, you can only listen to music for like two hours at a time. Like same with the road trip, right? Like you listen to music for a bit and then after a while you just get a headache from a few albums, right? So if you're hiking for, let's say like a 12 hour day, if you push hard, you can listen to three to four hours of music, but there's still like an eight hour period where you can't do it. So like eight hours of walking completely by yourself, not talking to anyone, not seeing anyone is, it's almost like a, like in prison when they do like the, the isolation chambers, obviously mm-hmm. not nearly as bad yeah, yeah. moments where you start to just feel crazy and, and you're exhausted and there's heat and like, there's all those extra factors, one foot in front of the other is all you can really think about for at times. And then sometimes you're deep in thought, but I do think that it was, there were times where I just really wanted to talk to people and it was nice. Cause then when you would, it was that's when that connection would happen that I was talking about. You know, you're exhausted. You've walked 10 miles since your last stop. You, you've just had a crazy thought process. You just want to talk to somebody. So someone comes along, they have a big smile. They're a fellow like Camino hiker. And then guess what? You just want to talk about anything and everything. Right. And it's like, it's weird. It was like a, a relief, a break when you saw those people. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the initial like, force of connection started and then again people are open and then you talk about and a lot of my theories I guess on life in general have been altered and changed about like just from talking to people about their philosophies on the trail like there was one guy Fernando from Argentina uh he spoke I think eight languages or six languages something like that but he he was an Argentinian who married a Brazilian who they moved to Norway and then they lived in Sweden. And then he spoke like German and French as well. Uh, And he was kind of my tour guide for a little bit. He was really good at taking me into like parts of town that he had read about or knew about um, and ordering and talking exclusively in Spanish. Cause I could get by understanding, but I'm, I don't converse at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But like this dude, he was telling me about his, his life, his, his thoughts, his theories, and it was just this crazy, like his idea of love and, and how to be a father and things like that. The way he saw the world were th- ways that I hadn't necessarily ever heard or thought of before. And it was crazy because I don't think I would have that conversation with anyone if it wasn't on that trail. So it was very unique experience. Yeah. Well, there's not really another medium to like platform to have those conversations really. Cause like if you're in a bar, right. Your time is limited. Like when you're on, when, like when you're on that walk, you have not unlimited time, but more or less unlimited time. Like and it. yeah. So like in day-to-day life, especially like if you're just in the U S or wherever, 
you got like you got stuff to do like you don't have time to just talk to somebody for eight hours which kind of sucks but also yeah. like it's the reality of life um so yeah that's really cool that you were able to 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 listen to that probably what pick and choose like what you thought were the best of this and like i don't agree with that i agree with that and then like you're able yeah. to mix and match from like everyone you've talked to and there's one thing that's really weird like this you talking about this is uh provoking a weird emotional reaction for me and i don't exactly know what it is i think some of it is probably the i've not really been alone like being alone is hard um i don't know i'm trying to like work it out right now in my head a little bit so i guess i'll use this as a way to work it out i think one of the one of the being alone is difficult especially in like like i said we got stuff going on so that's one thing that i know i need to work on but also just that experience of being free maybe is something that's interesting to me i don't really um, i can't really tell to be honest hmm. so i don't know if i could interject i think that is something that was mind blowing to me along the way is having that realization that i had never been alone even if I was by myself, I usually mm-hmm. had a phone where I could message somebody. If I was feeling lonely, I could always FaceTime, call, message, whatever it is, right? So there's always some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. This, was, this was the first time in my life that I was alone. But there were points where that were infrequent at first, but became more frequent that I did not feel lonely while being alone. And it got to a certain point, especially in New Zealand, because I, I lived out of my car uh, for basically the full year. I would stop at hostels here and there, but I was traveling by myself. It switched from feeling alone to feeling like that sense of freedom that you were talking about. But it did. They were not they were not mutually exclusive. I had to work towards that. And there there became that point where I enjoyed and embraced that freedom of being alone. But it took me a while. It took me a lot of days of discomfort to get to that point. But I think most people in life have, not in life, let me rephrase that, in the United States, in this time period, in our culture, never are alone, which means they never have time to actually think about their actions, which is why a lot of times people just kind of move through life without ever thinking they get that job and then it's easy for them to work forever in that job it's easy for them to stay with their high school sweetheart or whatever it is because it's terrifying i think more than anything else the terrifying yeah if they were to end that there's could be many pros but the con the big con is holy shit they would be alone Mm -hmm. right like they have this support group they have this safety net this is comforting it's always comforting having somebody there even if you don't like that freaking person having another person in the room you, you don't feel that sense of loneliness. yeah like, I, I saw uh something on instagram somebody posted a story it's like most of <laughs> it's like most of y'all date so you're not alone and that's why it doesn't work out which is actually funny why i saw that today um but being alone doesn't really scare me i guess it's kind of like if I'm alone, I don't, I rarely feel the need to like message somebody to be not alone. 
I don't, I guess it's more of like a, I keep myself occupied by like doing chores and other stuff. I think it's being alone with your thoughts because that's, that's less, that's less fun, right? Like I don't feel the need to be, I'm fine being alone without other people. Like I'll, but I'll find ways to be productive. Yeah. And I'll often think about things like, well, like while I'm doing it. So I'm not totally alone with my thoughts because I'll be like doing the dishes or whatever. And so, but to be totally, I feel like just walking for eight hours and being alone with your thoughts is different, is totally different than being alone for three hours while you're folding laundry and doing the dishes or driving though. I don't know. I think probably the length of time that you did it is kind of what's like, what got me a little bit. Cause like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't feel like being alone for an hour or two is not, or even like if Jen and I are on a road trip and she falls asleep in the car and I'm driving for like five hours and I can't put the music on because she's like, she's knocked or whatever. Like, I don't, that doesn't really bother me. Yeah. But I think it's like the 30 days is like, that's. Yeah. And that's what it was. And that's why this works though, is, is again, the first few days I was excited, right? I was excited. It was all new, but when you get in the groove of waking up every morning and walking, and this is how you get lunch. And this is the, the, the path, right? It gets to a point where like you are in the groove of doing what you need to do, but you are alone. And then guess what? Now you can actually think because a five hour drive you don't, I don't think you have the time, even though it's a long time. If those thoughts start popping in your head, again, you might scratch the surface, but you don't even have the time for a one single five-hour drive because most of those things that I, I had to do wasn't in a day, wasn't mm-hmm. a week. It was over the course of several weeks of consistently thinking. And sometimes I would be halfway thinking through it. Then maybe that night I would talk to somebody about it because everyone's freaking open and mm-hmm. super like down to talk about those sort of things. And then I would spend the next seven hours the next day thinking about what that person said and kind of relating back to my situation and, and kind of attacking my problem from every which angle. Mm-hmm. And that is what I think was so special. And again, like I went on this walk just being like, I'm going to see some pretty trees. And like, you know, like <laughs> I had no, I had no idea what to expect. I happened to, to go to Europe with a backpack on and what was so funny is like most people who do this hike, they have like a water bag. They have like one change of clothes. Their bag weighs like six pounds or less usually. And they're wearing like a day pack because you can go to the hostels, little bar of soap or whatever. I had like my suitcase essentially in a backpack. My backpack weighed like 51 pounds. I had far and above the largest backpack of anyone there. And people were like, why the hell do you have that? Well, I kind of just showed up. I didn't expect to do this thing, but here we are, right? So I did this walk with way, way more weight than I like needed to do. But again, I just showed up being like, this will be fun. This will be cool. And it was something that along the journey was like, oh my God, this is substantial. Like this, that was, I would look back and say that was a huge pivotal point, the pivotal point of me being a college student and kind of living my life as I had always lived it and having very different mindset outlook on the world. And just, I think, like I said, I restructured 
the way that I think, the way I feel, a lot of philosophies that I gained along the way. And people were really, a lot of countries are naturally more philosophical than we are. Mm-hmm. A lot of their sayings, their expressions, their just ways of life are based off of philosophy. And being able to talk to those people and them sharing it with me was like very influential, I'd say. Uh, and again, sometimes it would say totally opposite things. It wasn't that I was taking their opinion, but I was thinking about that in a way that I normally never had before. Well, it's a so, critical thinking thing, yeah. right? Like you're presented with a new idea, regardless of whether or not you agree with it, you have to like, you're going to think about it. And then that could spark a new thought that you like, and you can go on. And, I don't even know a thought chain of, or whatever, but that's, what's so cool also about. So not listening to other podcasts are not the same as what you did, but in terms of, being exposed to new ideas they kind of are in a sense absolutely so that's one of the i do that a lot i'll like listen to different people uh different people's podcasts uh jordan peterson i listen to him a lot and joe rogan not from the standpoint i don't listen to it for joe i listen to it because joe is very good at making people expand on their ideas like drawing it out of them and so when he has people on you'll get the most out of what they think. And oftentimes these people are very smart. They've got different ideas about the world, whatever. And I just, and then I spend time thinking about it, but like, to your point, if I've got my hour commute to work that I spend thinking about it, that's not the same. So yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's like, and then, and then it's scary because what if you realize like something that you didn't want to realize yeah like people don't want to spend time alone with their thoughts and i'm sure did did that happen to you or not so much yeah no no no. saying that all this i think it was good as far as a net result there were plenty of things that were terrifying to think about there were Mm -hmm. some realizations about myself that i didn't like you know Mm -hmm. a lot of people i think can go through life ignoring or whatever you know they have a very skewed self-perception but there were things you know maybe people had told me along the way and I denied it and like you start thinking and you're like wow this is a problem that I do have or these are issues that I need to face some of it was really not fun but I also think that coming to those realizations was like massively important not to go too far down this path but like I had a family member that I have had problems with for an extended period of time. And during that process, it's very, I've been ingrained my whole life that like family is important family, like what, like never give up on family, all those cliches. And that's like instilled in me. But then there's also a lot of issues over time with this particular family member. And I've been torn back and forth what I should do. And then I had that big realization through talking to people about how they view family, how they view life that like, you should give a lot of chances and opportunities and extra to family. But I I did come to that, I guess, theory through talking to people and having those extensive time periods that some people in some situations are not necessarily forgivable and that sometimes it's okay to break away, even though I was fighting it with everything I had originally come like I was able to, again, think of it, in ways I had never thought of it before and realized like I came to a piece 
that I've maintained to this day that I've never wavered with mm-hmm. that I don't think I could have and could have been a problem for an extended period of time if I didn't have those. And that was like a, that was like of the 30 days, it was like 25 of them. I thought about this. And then there was like about a week before the end. Mm-hmm. It was like, I just had that moment where like it all came together and ever since then it's, I've maintained that that feeling but again not a fun one <laughs> no. not a fun one but I'd say it was an unhappy feeling but I felt at peace mm-hmm. yeah no that makes total sense often that's kind of the conclusion that I come to as well because it's not you're kind of battling with yourself a little bit like for that and that's not easy because like when you've when you've built a, like a, I don't want to say value system, but when you've built a framework on which you've lived your life and then you have to kind of like, you have to change a part of you, you have to change a part of you. That's like, you have to basically like destroy it and then create a new one. And that destroying part is hard, but then the effort to like create the thing that needs to go in its place that is like supposed to be the improvement is also hard because if you don't work at that improvement, then you'll just end up back where you were usually. And then you're back to square one, which is no good in the first place. And then yeah. you feel worse about yourself because you know exactly what you did yeah. and you know, it's there because <laughs> you already thought about it. And then you're just yeah. like, well, I'm a piece of shit. And I think what's tough about that though, is you have those value systems and then you have these thoughts. They're different. And then the, the hardest part is deciding are the value systems right? Because it's been taught to me and I have learned it through time and it's wisdom that I don't understand and it's above me, but I should listen to it because it's people have been doing it for a long time. Or are these counter thoughts that I'm having in my head, like the true like path that I should be taking. Right. And it's hard because you don't always like in, in different situations, it's going to be different outcomes. And that's what stinks because when you have those counter opinions, is sometimes you think about it long and hard and you're like, yeah, that was just kind of foolish of me, mm-hmm. push them to the side. And sometimes you're like, no, those are very valuable. And then I have to overcome everything that I've kind of been taught and learned yeah. through my entire life. And that is not easy. And I think sometimes if you, if you push enough aside, then it's hard to pick which one is the right one to be pursuing. Right. Mm-hmm. Because so. you have to like, you have to have some sort of grounded, like I'm going to act in like by this set of values and, and moral code. Yeah. And you can't just do away with all of it at once. Like that doesn't work either. Cause then you're just lost and that, yeah. that doesn't help anyone. But oftentimes, like you're saying about the, the counter thoughts, sometimes the truth is somewhere in the middle and finding mm-hmm. that balance is very like, I tell, I tell people this all the time and people are like, Oh, what do you do? Like, uh, you know, those like personality tests or like the, um, not Myers-Briggs, like the big five yeah. psychology. Jenna would like, Oh, I'll just take this for fun. And every question I'd be like, well, it depends. She's like, yeah. just answer the question. I'm like, but that's how I think about stuff. And so sometimes that as well is also like not good because then you actually have to make the decisions, but it's like, how to balance the situation, your value system, the thoughts you have, and then like 
the pros and cons of waiting or not making the decision. Cause you and I both know sometimes you wait on making a decision on something and then the opportunity is gone. So it's like, and we do that every day, but even like little decisions, like today I went to go get a haircut and I was like, uh, I don't know. I waited an hour and then I ended up waiting long because there were people in line. If I had just gone an hour earlier, I would have been in and out and it would have been fine. But instead I wasted an hour of my time because I was yeah. like no, for sure. doing whatever. Yeah. And that's, that is tough. That's kind of something that I've struggled with uh, recently because like I said, I would be going to airports and next plane out of here, please. Right. Like one way tickets. A lot of the things I do, it's a meandering down life's path, right? But mm-hmm. there is moments in life, especially more now than, than previous, where it's like you don't have the option. You, you are here. You have to choose left or right, up or down. There's no, we'll just see what happens, right? And mm-hmm. there become deadlines. There become uh, choices. And that's something that's tough because you have to have that decision-making mm-hmm. uh, like you were just talking about. And I feel like I've kind of gone too far down the go with the flow easy route. Um, But that's where the value system comes. You have to like, you have to know who you are and you have to know kind of what like your framework is that you're going to go about doing things and you have to be confident in it, but it's also okay to question it. Like you were saying, like you have the counter thoughts. So it's like, it's okay to question it. But when push comes to shove, like you got to be confident in who you are and make the decision that's right for you. Yeah. Going on the Camino though. I will say has probably unraveled and leveled uh, mm-hmm. a lot of my original value system. So well, that's this okay is, though. Oh, it's good. No, I'm cool. That I'm just saying I'm at the point now where now I'm starting to build those mm-hmm. up. I don't think they're as established as they once were because I was very, this is right. This is wrong. This is how I feel about mm-hmm. everything. And now it's kind of like, like you said, there's, there's the middle, there's shades of gray mm-hmm. to everything. So like yeah. if someone says this, and someone says that most of the time I'm like, eh, probably somewhere in the middle right every time yeah it's not a bad thing but that's kind of where i am with like most things in life where it's like Mm -hmm. you're a little bit right you're a little bit right like how am i supposed to choose yeah gun in my head i wouldn't know which side i would go with because they're both bringing like good and bad arguments and it's like Mm -hmm. i don't know so yeah that is something i need to work on for sure yeah one last point i know you got to run a little bit and we didn't get to touch on New Zealand, but I thought about it about 10 minutes ago. And I was like, we've talked for an hour and a half about Europe spending only 10 minutes on New Zealand. Wouldn't do it justice. Um, But like the value system, you can't be like a rigid thing. It has to have like some like wiggle room in it. Otherwise it's like, otherwise you end up like, or like people complain about religion because it's like very strict. And sometimes those people don't make, uh, I'll say they're not the most fun to hang out with. Let's say <laughs> I concur. <laughs> yeah. So occasionally Robbie, if you're listening, I love you, bro. Not talking about you, Robbie. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever that is. Um, he was on episode six, shameless plug. Anyways, nice. anyways, but yeah, it's got to have some, like a little bit of wiggle room for day-to-day life because that's kind of like when you were talking earlier about the cliche of like being yourself, mm-hmm. if yourself has some wiggle room, like you end up kind of like where you were just like having fun and like you were you but you weren't the exact same version of you at every place you went yeah that is true yeah i still had to adapt place to place for sure no that's a good point so 
you are, let's see. I don't even know how to wrap this up. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we'll, we'll have to, um, we'll have to at some point later on, maybe another episode, get into the whole New Zealand thing, but we'll have to, that was the place where everyone loved you. We, we spent all the time on where everyone hated you. We'll yeah, spend yeah. time on the place where everyone yeah, loved you. Yeah, it was a wild time. That's where all the stories are, too. Yeah. All right. So next, well, what's next for you? And, like, if you had the next, like, couple years, what, couple what's, years. On the, what's on the horizon for you? Yeah. So what I basically just did was I lived with my mom during COVID, made sure all was well, saved up some money. Um, not the easiest thing, especially after being the most free I've ever been in my life, mm-hmm. being under like COVID restrictions with my mom, very polarizing experiences. Right. Um, but I saved up a good bit of money. So I'm fortunate enough that I just load up my car, Idaho. I had a feeling, a calling for no real reason, but it's the same reason why I went to New Zealand for a year. Sometimes I just get this gut feeling and my gut has always steered me correct. So I just listened to it. It says Idaho is where you need to be, Boise specifically. Got in the car, drove, sold like sold everything basically. Some of the stuff fit in my car, so I put that in there. Um, drove across, saw some people um, along the way, saw some spots, did some hiking. But now I'm here, um, and my goal is, I think the people you surround yourself with is the most important thing, in my opinion, in life the environment and the people that you surround yourself. I think, like you said, you can still be yourself, but you're more of yourself or not more of yourself, but you are a different person everywhere you go slightly. Mm -hmm. Right. I think if you're with people that bring out the best in you, hundred percent, that is very important. And I find when I'm in the DC area, I have a million friends that are really like hanging out with. I have family, all my family is basically there. I love the, the positivity that I get from there, but the day-to-day life, the average culture of the DC area is work, drink on the weekends, maybe have like one hobby, right? There's not a whole lot of like life and living going on. What I have found out and what has been kind of confirmed through even the short time I've been here is that the people in this side of the country, not necessarily the full coast, but mountain type people, mountain time zone they're big into the outdoor activities and i'm not saying outdoor activity is like the main reason but i think there's a certain appreciation for the world and life that comes along with always being outdoors right the it's right by the foothills so i want to get a job i want to have you know the the adult privilege of having life insurance right so or health insurance i want to be able to if i break my arm while climbing not have to empty my entire like savings account right but hopefully have a job i want to start making connections and i'm also very close to a lot of national parks a lot of the states i've wanted to explore so my my kind of goal for the future is after all that traveling it's wonderful you said do i get tired of meeting people at the time no i never did but I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm tired of meeting someone who I really like, who I value them, who I want to be friends with. And in a very set amount of time period, I have to say goodbye to. I'm at the point in my life where I definitely want to start making connections and friendships where I am part of a community, where I'm part of 
uh, friend group where I start doing things, having an annual trip here, or, you know, that is kind of my goal. So for me, the job, just something, hopefully I'll find a career path that I enjoy. But for me, it's really being in an area that I feel, and so far I feel very much at home, very comfortable here. Um, and then hopefully going from there, like I want to be with people who are, who are doers. They go out and they do stuff, you know, on an average day, they don't feel comfortable sitting at home because I'm cool sitting up my ass on the couch. I'm cool with doing stuff all day. I find it's traditionally whoever I'm around heavily influences that. And being in this area, everyone is always doing stuff. There's dirt on every car. There's a bike rack or ski rack on every car. People are zooming around. They're floating the river. They're doing all sorts of stuff. And I love it. It makes me feel more alive. And that's just something, that's my goal, right? I just want to live. I'm a very simple person. I just want to have that connection with people. And I just want to live a lifestyle that I deem to be, you know, I guess idealistic is not the right word, but it's something that I, I'm consistently active and pushing and bettering myself. So that is a long answer to your no, question. That's great. <laughs> that's perfect, man. Well, see, now that we've booked you for a second episode, we can go figure out how you're doing in, in a few there we months. Go. We'll update, yeah. I really appreciate your time. Uh, this is a great conversation. Definitely loved it. Um, and yeah, I guess remember to uh, all you listening, remember to like, comment and subscribe and we will see you guys later. All right, man. Thanks for having me, man. Of course.